Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Yolevsky podcast. I'm Alexander Yolevsky, and today we are here with Chris Reimer. Chris Reimer is an award-winning new media strategist. After spending almost 20 years in finance, which he continues to try and forget about, he switched into a full-throttle marketing career at the age of 39, and he was named one of the top Twitter users in the world by Entrepreneur Magazine and has never looked back. Chris is the author of the 2015 book, Happy Work, a business parable about the journey to teamwork, profit, and purpose, and is now working on a brand new side hustle. Chris Reimer, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Alexander, it's my great pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. I think right away, one of the biggest things that intrigued me was our earlier conversations on Twitter, um, just sort of talking about what you've been up to, how you got to where you are, your various career changes, and the fact also that you're working on a brand new side hustle. So I think a lot of our trains of thought were sort of on the same pace, which is why I'm really excited to have you here. Let's talk about this huge career change that you went through at the age of 39 years old. You were well into your financing career, doing that for 20 years, and you decided to switch over into marketing. Why did you do that? What caused you to do that? How did that happen? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I got my degree in accounting from Marquette University back in, it was a long time ago, let's put it that way. It's in the 90s at some point. And right after that, I became, you know, I started working in the accounting industry at various different companies. I ended up becoming a CPA. Then I was the chief financial officer of a construction company, a a distribution company, advertising agency. Um, And then my last uh, job, I was a CFO of a nonprofit organization. And uh, I was there for four years. And during that last stint as as a chief financial officer, I started my own company. It was called Rizzo Tees. It was a funny t-shirt company that I ran out of my basement. So I I designed t-shirts. I had them printed. I had a website and I sold t-shirts to people all over the country and all over the world. And so as I worked by day as a CPA at a place with, I said it was a nonprofit, really good mission. But I think at that point I started, or at least maybe in the back of my head, I started realizing, you know, maybe the, maybe there's something else out there because I'm doing the t-shirt stuff at night and I'm working I'm working more. I'm not a workaholic by any means. I don't have like, you know, an eighth gear like Gary Vaynerchuk does or something. I just don't work that hard typically. But for this business, something had me a little bit possessed. I've only been possessed like that two times in my life. One, when I was writing my book, which happened, you know, during 2014, pretty much. And when I was trying to birth this t-shirt business. So I was coming home and working until like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. I don't think I could even do that bodily now, but then I was doing it because I really believed in what I was doing. And when the website went live on October 30th, 2008, no one was buying any t-shirts. I'm like, oh yeah, the marketing part. I forgot I need to do some marketing. And, you know, and I had not started my marketing career at that point. But I guess I had a mind for it. You know, five days after the site went live, I joined Twitter and I just took to it like a fish to water. I just started speaking to people, talking to people. I there were, there were so many times where I actually forgot to market the t-shirts because I was just enjoying meeting people, learning new things, learning about social media. And so while I was enjoying that more and more and more, which kind of culminated at one point, I think it was probably in it was either 2009 or 2010 where I actually did my first like public 
presentation or speech on social media, which I never liked public speaking. Like I hated it. I was fearful of it. Like most everyone is fearful of it. When I did that first one and I actually wasn't nervous and was excited to go and talk, I'll never forget how I felt right afterwards. I was like, it spoke to me and I realized, hmm, this is, this is something I actually enjoy more than accounting, if you can believe it or not. And so then I had, but I was still, it was like, you know, I was like 39 years old at that point. There was no way that, you know, I was going to try to change careers. I had a decent job, you know, that paid well, good benefits, worked right close to home. And it allowed me the time to work on my side hustle, uh, which was the t-shirt company at that point. Now, the, that company was not growing to the level where it was going to start paying the bills. I was still having a great deal of fun with it and made some, you know, definitely made some money for the family, but it wasn't something where I never grew up big enough to, to just quit the job. But what ended up happening is I had an old friend and a guy who worked at the company who built Rizzo T's website independently both say to me one time on the phone, after having spoken with them for like a half hour straight about social media, they said, you could do this for a living, you know? And it, it actually took two different people saying it to me to sort of like knock me over the head and realize, oh, like a career change is possible. You know, it seems so, it seems like it makes such sense now, you know, and I've given, I've given public presentations about my career change and people have come up like, like one person came up in tears one time. I'm like, okay, what did I say? You know, and the, it was just that they were having a hard time at their job. You know, I had people say that I was inspiring them. Alexander, I never inspired anybody as a CPA, okay? So when I started giving <laughs> talks, and, and when people started saying they were inspired, I'm like, oh, like I helped someone today. That feels great. I want to do that again, you know? And so I gave more and more talks. And eventually it just came to a point where I realized I could go and search for a job in a brand new industry without the correct, you know, college degree and make it work. Now I took a job, I took a pay cut on the first job, but I, within a year I had that fixed because I went to a different place and it, my pay was like well back up to normal. But it was like, looking back now, I'm like, oh, that's a cute story. But it was really scary at the time, like having to decide and having to go home to my wife and say, okay, you know, I know that my job is pretty much critical to us eating and right. a house. And, you know, she has a job too. She has a fantastic job, but we need all the money we can give, you know, exactly. with having, with having two kids and stuff like that. And I drink a lot of wine too. So, you know, you got <laughs> to pay for the wine. And I was like, I want to change careers. And, you know, my wife is probably like, eh, you know, but instead, you know, she like held that inside and said, let's do it. I support you, you know? And so I, I'm like super thankful to her that, because if she came to me, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, she's a speech pathologist, you know, so she helps little kids with their speech. If she came and said, like, I want to start a company, I'd be like, what are you crazy? You know, but when she, when I did it to her, she was supportive. And so I made the switch. Uh, I left that job. I actually gave five weeks notice at that last accounting job. And then they fired me with two weeks left. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Which kind of sucked. I mean, I I was leaving anyway, so like the last two weeks were going to be just totally dreadful, but they fired me because they actually figured out that I had this big Twitter account, and they, I was tweeting from work at that point, right. to, just, to, just to be fair, um, while getting my job done and trying to teach other people about my position so they could you know, literally like log into the right websites using all the passwords and just everything you, you're trying to get done so you can get out the door. I wasn't a fan of getting fired, but whatever it happens. So that's kind of how my new career started. I mean, that's, that's actually amazing because 
a career change in itself is scary for anyone really but now when you add the sort of the, the extra elements and the and the extra responsibilities that you have whether you know if you're your husband you have a wife you have you have kids you've kind of just changed that all around and it was amazing that you'd be able to do that successfully i don't know if it's just the industry that i work in but i've never heard of more people starting side hustles than ever before yeah um, and I don't know if that's because there's just so much opportunity to do more. There's so much opportunity to learn without physically being in a, in a physical space, in a physical institution, like, for example, with marketing or social media and that kind of thing, or even like uh, design, um, film editing, and just all these sort of programs that can help people and do these things on the side. Now, to sort of segue into sort of the next thing that I want to talk about was, do you think this is possibly contributing to workplace unhappiness there's obviously other um elements of that like you know the typical office gossip in politics and yeah. people feel like they're not learning anymore when you're doing certain jobs but is it the idea that there's so much more possible now in a more convenient way that's contributing to this sort of workplace unhappiness because i mean i hear about it i hear about it from pretty much everyone i know who works in a typical you know that nine to five kind of uh environment so no is the answer because all of the unhappiness was there anyway. Like because there are side hustles available, it doesn't cause unhappiness to be born. Like we have, many of us have crap jobs at crap places and we're led by or not led by crappy people. That's a situation that has existed in the workplace for a very, very long time. No, what's happening is, is that with side hustles, we're teaching ourselves new skills, potentially making some side money and potentially turning it into real money. And then you don't have to stay at that job that you don't want to stay at. And, and I don't mean to just blanket rip on the American workplace. I happen to work right now at a place that I absolutely love. But no, the fact that, that side hustle is actually a term now that is really starting to enter the lexicon. You're hearing more and more people say it. Chris Gilbo, one of my favorite authors, just debuted a book a week ago called Side Hustle, which I have not read yet, uh, but I have to get it. And I'm not even reading that much lately just because I've just been really trying to focus on what, what the way I put it is I'm trying to be in production mode instead of consumption mode. So if I buy his book, I'm back in consumption mode anytime I'm reading it. And I really need to be in production mode. But having said that, man, this is this is a really, this is where it, the rubber hits the road. So last night, I'm out at dinner with my parents and I tell them that I'm starting a new business. And my dad, because he knows my work history, you know, and keep in mind, my work history is a little bit more uh, like, well, checkered's probably not the right word, but I mean, I've had more jobs than he had, you know, They're, they come from, you know, a generation, these baby boomers, where there's a little bit more loyalty. They probably junk around a little bit less. There's just less opportunity to go try new things or learn new skills. There was no internet back then, right? So he's, I, I tell him about it and he stops me and he says, okay, does your employer know that you're doing this? All right, let's talk about that. Is there any of their dang business, first of all? And he says, they are going to want to know that they have your full attention, you know, and that they don't want you... And you know what? To some degree, it's possible that he's correct. That's where a lot of your listeners are going to have to ask themselves, like, do, can I do this side hustle like, anonymously? You know, like if you have a side hustle like you're selling Girl Scout cookies, you actually bring those things to work and harass all of your coworkers to buy them. 
Okay. But if you're doing something like I'm doing, where I'm creating a physical product, it's a choice. You can either start creating social media about it and hope that none of your coworkers see it or just create it from company accounts and then no one knows who runs the company. That's not very fun. I mean, I want people to know I'm the CEO of this new company. And I told them, I said, yes, they do know because I went and I told my boss exactly what I was doing. And I was nervous about it. And she was like, sounds cool. And then I just got back to work, you know, and I love my job. So I'm going to try to do two things well, you know, I'm going to try to do my job here well. I have so much more damage I can do here. Like I'm not done, right? So I've got to stay. I've got to do where I love this place. I love being on a university campus. I love the environment. I love the people I work with. I'm also hopeful that I'm going to love this side hustle. And I'm hoping I can learn new skills. Uh, Selling on Amazon is something that I think is fascinating that I've never done, but I'm about to start. You know, it's interesting to me. His, But him caring about me, my dad caring about me in that way and asking that question That's probably what all of your listeners are going to be asking themselves as they think about striking out. It's like, am I going to get in trouble if someone finds out that I have a side hustle? I just think it's awful. It's like, yeah, I can do something for you during the day and then I can go home and instead of like watching all the DVR'd Real Housewives that I have, I could actually try to build a business like, what would be wrong with that? Like, it's like, it's weirdly selfish of employers to think that like their people should only work for them, you know? And it's like, everything's more expensive now. Like sometimes people are doing side hustles because they need the money too, you know? So it's not always like building a business. It's literally like, I have to go drive Uber to like make enough money to pay for my health insurance. So, you know, it's so, like some side hustles aren't as romantic as others. You know what, though, Chris, you you sort of paint this sort of picture of a situation that a lot of people may even envy in terms of you have a job that you love, you have a consistent and stable job that you love, but at the same time, you're also pursuing something on the side, which uh, thankfully your your employer is completely fine with as they should be. Well, and we'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Like (laughs) they say one thing, but let's no. But honestly, Alexander, we have to wait and see. You know, once I start creating the content, once I do that, like really amazing Facebook announcement to all my friends saying, I'm going to have a new, I'm starting something new. Here's what I'm doing. You're going to be able to buy it in a month, or maybe I'll wait until it's actually on Amazon to try to capture those sales. Hey man, their attitude might change. I really hope it doesn't. Just from talking to and having you on this podcast right now, you just seem like a very positive and happy-go-lucky type of guy. And I have to ask, as someone, and also someone who just loves their job as well, how does that transfer to a person who you wrote a book called happy work who that actually talks about some of the worst working environments that someone could really read about i mean what sort of propelled you to to write a book like that to help people realize that there is a way for people sort of to be happy in in a certain workplace or there are things that employers could do to create that sort of positive and happy environment uh for their employees yeah i want to answer that question i do want to say first that like you bring up a really interesting point. You say like there's some listeners who could hear my situation, and I think you use the word jealous. Maybe I mean the thing is the thing is is like right now at a time of like ultimate happiness, maybe it's the best time to try something new. Not leave, try something new. Like if I if I am so happy here, I could easily get complacent and not add to my skill set and not learn anything new. It, it would be like never reading another book again. Like that would be a dumb decision. You know, so like not trying something new, 
not trying to acquire new skills, you know, not trying to maybe make a little bit of extra money. And I actually don't care about money like too much. Like it's a problem. You know, I should pinch pennies a little more. Here's the other thing too, though. If you're unhappy at work, clearly that's another great time to try something new. So either way, I mean, I just looked at, I looked at my situation. I thought I have never been happier at work and it actually scared me a little bit. And I thought, let's, let's start to cover our bases here because, you know, this, this place that I work at, it's not going to be the same forever and neither will I. So I looked, I, I kind of say that to myself almost every morning now. I'm like, I love my job, but it's not going to be the same forever and neither will I. And so that means that now is the best time to get prepared. It's like, if you get fired, you don't want to have to like go home and like quickly throw your resume together. You should have something together. It's called your LinkedIn profile, right? I mean, just be, be ready, be ready, you know, be prepared. And so anyway, with regards to the book, why did I write it? I mean, it was just, like I said, it was only one, it was only the second time in my life that I had ever been possessed enough to just work insane hours cheerfully. I mean, I, it was hard. It was really hard to write a book too. I mean, there was a lot of like down moments too, where I was just feeling like despair about what I had written. And typically all I'd have to do is go to sleep and get up the next day. And I felt better. And I go back to that really lousy writing and just make it better. That's kind of like the life of an author. You write lousy, you feel shame, you go to sleep and the next day you fix it. That's how I did it. (laughs) So the reason I wrote it is that, you know, and I've never had like the awful, awful, awful job. I've never quite worked at the awful place like Venori that I describe in my, in my book. But I mean, it's been close. There are real stories in that book that happened to me. There are stories that happened to friends, you know, that I incorporated into the, into the, the fictional account that you read about in happy work. But I just had, this was a story that I wanted to tell and I wanted people to understand. It's basically seven words that I want everyone, you know, if your listeners are like jumping in and out of listening, this is the point you want to hear. We are no less human at work. Okay. That's the key. That is, that's really the key to how I think about my job, about this time where I'm away from my family. I've left my family and, and I'm, I'm here with a bunch of strangers who I'm not related to. I don't love anybody here at work. And I realized that like, this is still a very, very important part of our lives this time that we spend at work. And it doesn't need to be simply a paycheck and a clock that's about to turn to 5 p.m. I mean, it can be so much more and it should be. It can actually contribute to our feelings of self-worth and it can contribute to an energy that we can actually take home from work so that we can go home and be a good spouse, be a good parent, you know, be a good boyfriend, wherever you are. Like you don't have to go home with an empty tank, you know, hoping that the commute is long enough. You'll actually be able to unwind so you won't be a jerk when you get home. Like it doesn't have to be like that. Work does not have to be like that. And so I I wanted to tell a story of someone who thought they had it all until they got into, you know, the kind of like the seventh circle of hell workplace and it didn't really go well for him. And I loved being able to show someone who really was so capable be put into a situation where just a couple of jerks could like really take him off his game. And that's what happens to us when we're at work. Like negativity takes us off our game. People stealing credit for the work that we do takes us off our game. All the little petty crap that happens at work can add up 
you know, like I say in the book, kind of like plaque on teeth that kind of accumulates over time. You know, and all of a sudden you're at the dentist and they're just like cranking on your teeth. And you're like, what happened? And it's like, just, it all accumulates over time. It's just a little bit at a time. And, you know, the opposite can be true too, though. If you work in a place with positivity, that can accumulate as well. And the, the power of small good things happening over time can really get a company moving along. There is actually an ROI to it. You can have lower turnover. You can have people willing to take risks. People who, like companies who take risks often meet with great rewards. Okay, so um, so it was just a story that like I, I was just compelled to, to get it out into the world. And I think it's a story that many people would be really interested um, if you haven't already to pick up his book, Happy Work, um, just because un- I think unfortunately too, there are many people that are in that situation, maybe not in the worst working environments, but definitely there's the element of unhappiness, whether it's because they feel like they're not being, they can't be as productive as they like to be, or maybe they feel like they haven't been learning as much as they used to, or they wish they could be. There's all these sort of different obstacles. And then obviously the, you know, the, the office gossip and politics that you kind of, that negativity, as you mentioned, that you kind of get sucked in. Can I share one story with you? Please. I just have to share the, like, it's just one story of just the craziest thing I think that I had ever heard. It wasn't the most evil. But just imagine, take this story that I'm going to tell you real quick and extrapolate it to the rest of this workplace and just ask yourself, what is it like for all these people to work at this place? So I was given a speech um, here in town and it, you know, a guy comes up to me and says, I've got, I've got a crazy story. You've never, you can't even believe it. And I was like, dude, I've heard a lot of stories. So I mean, it, it just in the in trying to write this book, you know, I heard everything. People have been emailing me, just telling me crazy stories, you know, kind of reaching out after they've read the book. I was like, try me. And he goes, all right, I work in this office where it's kind of like an open office environment. You know, there's like kind of offices around the edge, but there's a lot of people like in the middle. They're like in the kind of a service industry. Think of it as like a air conditioning repair company or something like that, right? So there's a bunch of people in the center of the office, but they have... You know, I'm here in St. Louis, Missouri. We're uh, we're a baseball town. You know, we love our St. Louis Cardinals. So they have Cardinals season tickets as a company. And they would give these tickets out uh, to clients. Uh, It's just kind of like as a bonus or a perk or whatever. So there was a game where this guy proceeds to tell me where they couldn't find any clients in town to take the tickets. So the next thing they did was they reached out to their clients out of town. That's a little weird. I don't know if you're going to fly in for a Cardinals game. It's pretty awesome. Like, Bush Stadium's great. You know, Cardinals are amazing. But I don't know. I don't know if you're going to, I don't know if you're going to fly in. But they offered them to the out-of-town clients. And, of course, no, no one took them. So guess what they did with the tickets? In front of the employees, the owners put the tickets through a paper shredder. <gasps> In front of them. They shredded the tickets. And I was like, dude, you're lying to me. And he's like, Scout's Otter, man. That happened. And I was like... It doesn't even make sense. I know. It's crazy. It's not even mean. Like, mean would have been actually walking up to someone's face and like ripping it in half in front of their face. That would actually have been worse. You know, it's a sure you wish you could have gone to the game and then gone back into the office. I mean, it's just crazy. And And I was like, okay, so what's... He's like, it's a it's not a great place to work. Like he, and I was like, okay, Captain Obvious, right? I mean, I, 
I've never heard anything weirder in my life. I mean, I've heard like awful things, like people like being embarrassed for, you know, like, oh, I had this woman tell me a story about how her, her, her boss was like in another open office environment, which doesn't speak well to this new open, open office environment right. movement that's going on, just giving her all sorts of trouble about like having, having this work, you know, and the boss actually was kind of like almost teasing her or berating her in front of everyone until, you know, she basically had to blurt out. I mean, just like she lost her cool and basically blurted out that she had a urinary tract infection and had to miss work because of that. Like literally like a, a serious female personal problem. Right. And he basically, he coaxed it right out of her in front of everyone. And I was like, oh, that's terrible. I mean, as far as like oddities, it doesn't beat my cardinal shredding story in my opinion. But just little stuff like that where she was just humiliated by her boss in front of everyone. And I'm like, what? What does this have to do with whatever it is you people sell? Like, what, what are you <laughs> yeah. doing? You know, and it's the thing is like, the truth is when I say we are no less human at work, I guess sometimes we bring those, our human weaknesses to work too. And I don't know what that boss's problem is, if it's a lack of trust or what, you know, I, I mean, I gave a speech one time at a company where they asked me to come in. Everyone had my book. I think a lot of them read it. I went and gave my talk. And then the person who brought me in, she, she quit several months later and told me some of the worst stories about the company that I had just spoken at about happy work, including, wow. including stories about how she's of she, this, this friend of mine, this person I know she's of mixed race and, uh, she's also gay. And so people at work would actually like tease her about that. And she had even heard people using, uh, like, the racial slur, the N word right at work, at work, in her presence. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a bad place. Maybe you can get a new job, you know? So I, I, you know, when I go and give a speech at a place like that, and then someone actually complains that they didn't like the talk, I was like, you're exactly who this book was intended for. Exactly. I, I wrote this for you, Mac, you need to read this and you need to be a little upset. Like I need to break your brain a little bit because it's just dreadful what some people have to go through at work. And I, every time I hear a story like these stories that I'm sharing with you, I just, it hurts a little bit, but it also is like, I have a conviction that, you know, that there's more that we can, that we can do as a society to put, to have work fit into our lives instead of the other way around. But these stories that you're sharing, like they're so absurd that it's sometimes you almost don't have words to, you can't really express or understand why something like that would happen? Why an employer would do that? Like, like the tickets or, or blurting out, you know, sensitive information. It's, it, you know what the problem is? It's like, we're taking what we think is common sense and not, those people aren't bringing it to the workplace. That's a good point. If I was not in a workplace environment and I had tickets um, that I wasn't able to use and I couldn't find anyone, I don't know, right? In, I wouldn't go to my friend's house and be like, hey, this ticket was going to be yours. It could have been yours. Yeah. And but I'm going to cut it up right now in front of you. It doesn't make any sense. But obviously, these things don't really translate. I mean, like people say, common sense isn't as common as we would hope it to be. And with regards to the open uh, the open concept within offices, it, there's obviously more to, to uh, workplace happiness than just breaking down walls um, and putting people closer to each other. Yeah, it is. And part of it, too, I think, what, what's lacking in some of these stories and what's lacking in a lot of uh, American and worldwide workplaces is, is empathy. What's lacking is more empathy. The, the ability to care about other people. 
and what they're going through and to realize, again, we are no less human at work. And so, you know, if you, if, if you don't lean in to the management of your people, you know, you'll never know what's going on in their lives or maybe or why they're struggling, why they're fearful of trying new things. You'll just have no idea, you know. And so as, as a manager, as a leader of an organization, you're, you are going to have to lean in and understand who your people are and where they want to go. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge, huge fan of Tony Robbins, but uh, when, when he talks about the six human needs, those six human needs, and I touch on it in the book, those six human needs, they, we need them no matter what we're doing in our lives. So you've got your family, you've got uh, your friends, you've got your personal pursuits, the things that you just do on your own time, and you've got work. Four main buckets of time. Sleeping is the fifth one. We don't need anything when we're sleeping except dark and, dark and peace and quiet. Um, but those four buckets of time, they're equally important, I would say. I, and I'm not saying spend 25% on each, but they're equally important. And those six human needs, certainty, variety, significance, connection, growth, contribution, you've got to hit on a vast majority of those things or you're going to have trouble. And the place where we hit on the fewest is typically work. So we, you know, we're never sure if our job's going to be here. And it's impossible to give 100% assurance. Although I know companies that are dedicated to not laying people off. I know companies that have gone through tough times. Everyone takes a 20% pay cut and they don't have to let anyone go. Then they slowly restore it. I've worked at a company like that. So I know it happens. You know, variety, instead of just locking people in their offices and not letting them try anything new, a little, little bit of cross-training can be good. Uh, a feeling of significance. You do something good, recognize that person in public, hopefully. You can praise publicly, criticize privately. Um, people do like connection, feeling as though we're all part of the same team on the same mission, you know, and wanting to grow. Again, that's part of the reason I'm doing the side hustles. I want to grow. I want to make sure I don't get stagnant. And then contribution. People want, people actually do want, in the right environment, the Everyone will want to make a contribution. It's just, it's one, of the, it's one of our human needs. If you're not hitting on the vast majority of those at work, your company's going to have trouble and you're not going to be very happy. So I think about those, my six human needs, your six human needs. I'm staring out of my office window right now across the way at uh, one of our videographers who, you know, uh, proud enough to, to, to lead and work with. I think about his six human needs as often as I can, you know, because I want him to be happy. I want him to grow. I want him to stay or I want him to go if he wants to go and try something new. You know, it's so for, for me, I, that's one of the main things that I think companies can pay a little more attention to is ha having more empathy and really focusing on the human beings that work there. I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. Chris. You love your job. Like we've mentioned, we've kind of like been teasing it throughout the uh, throughout the podcast and you're starting something new, your side hustle. You've kind of mentioned a little bit of why you started it because you want to grow, but what is it? Why did you start it? What's it all about? Let's talk about your new side hustle. So for, for me, there's there are two trends or facts of life that I see not going away anytime soon. One is our mobile phones. I, especially on a college campus, but it really, it doesn't matter where you're at. College campus, inside the home, at the airport, unfortunately, driving, while driving, people are using their phones. 
people are on the mobile phones constantly and they're, I think, you know, the phones and perhaps tablets slowly taking over from laptops. Um, I have two phones. I have a personal one and a work one. I drain them to zero every day, both of them. I mean, I'm on my phone a lot. It's absolutely amazing. Everything that can happen. I can, this business I'm starting, I can actually run the entire business from my phone. The second uh, trend I see not really going away is Amazon itself. People are really, really deeply into that. And so what a lot of people don't realize is that people like you and me, we can become sellers on Amazon. We can create products and we can use Amazon as our e-commerce fulfillment engine, basically. So you don't need, if you want to sell something on the internet, you don't need a website with e-commerce or card functionality. You can just use Amazon. And so when I put those two together, I came up with a, a company. It's called Busa Tech. So it's B-O-O-S-A, Busa Tech. And I'm going to be, uh, I'm creating a line of power banks, portable phone chargers, uh, a lot of competition in this area. I have a, I, that is not lost on me, but it doesn't really scare me either because I am working on sourcing uh, and having a product made for me that is going to be beautiful. It's going to be powerful. Uh, the one, the first one I'm going to sell has USB-C on it, which is really cool. So that's really great for uh, Samsung and, and Huawei and uh, other phones that have USB-C on it. And for me... Having these phones draining to zero all the time, I carry these power banks everywhere I go. And if I'm on a plane, it doesn't matter where I'm flying. I could be flying all the way across the world. I never need to look for an outlet because I have all the power I need right in my pocket. And so I actually adore these things. Like I love what they help me accomplish. You can plug your Nintendo Switch into them. Bigger ones you can plug a laptop into. And so for me... I want to, but not enough people actually carry these things around. If you go to the airport, you see people like up against the wall, sitting on the floor. It's like, get up. You don't need to, one little device that's actually about the size of an iPhone will keep your phone alive for 50 hours straight, like without ever having to find an outlet. You know, if you have a trip that's longer than 50 hours, you let me know, <laughs> but that should, really, that should keep you until you get to the hotel and you can plug back in. So for, I'm creating this line of power banks and I'm going to expand beyond that probably into like wireless charging mats and like car chargers as well. You know, the thing that goes in the cigarette lighter. But for now, the first product is going to be power banks. And so it's, um, it's like, it's awesome. I'm so excited to be, you know, like entering this business. I know there's a ton of competition, but I'm, I'm working on figuring out like how to optimize my Amazon listing how to take the best photographs, you know, how to get a product that's actually high quality. So I've just been testing power banks for months. Like I, my personal phone hasn't been plugged into the wall in like months. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It's, it hasn't. I like every day I, it's plugged into. So I'm right now I'm, I'm charging it back up. Uh, there, there's one particular power bank that I'm a huge fan of. And unless, and I'm, so I'm receiving samples from China and I'm testing them and some of them aren't testing very well. I'm like, this is, this cannot be my product. Cause I mean, I want it to be high quality enough that I can feel really confident asking someone to leave a review. You know, I don't want to just force my friends to leave reviews. I want actual, honest, real reviews. And so like quality is really important to me. So anyway, 
it's just a great, I'm just excited about it. And it's, I'm nervous too. Like entrepreneurism like brings out like really interesting feelings inside of me. Like I, I never doubt myself more than when I'm trying something like this. I think the number one thing that entrepreneurism basically does is makes you feel alive. (laughs) I think it just, regardless of the feelings that it brings in you, it makes you feel like something is happening. I'm doing something right now. That's definitely an exciting time. For sure. I'm just, you know, I'm hopeful it's not, there's not like a lot of risk. This isn't like opening a restaurant or something. Like this is low risk, you know, I mean, but it should be high reward if I can make it work. And I think, you know, from what I know of marketing and like definitely studying how Amazon works, how their algorithm works, how to optimize listings, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get this thing up on Amazon and just kind of beat the competition. So, Well, I'm definitely excited to hear more about the products that you're going to release from uh, Boostatech because all my, all my devices are mobile, but they all drain at some point. So what's the point of having all these mobile devices, whether it be my laptop, my iPhone, my iPad, or anything, when I eventually need to be attached to an outlet at some point? Yeah, there's, there's that. So low, ba- low battery anxiety is actually a real thing. And there's even, it's kind of a, high, uh, kind of a highly contested word, but there's actually a word for it. It's called nomophobia. So oh, wow. No, nomophobia is... Uh, the fear of being away from your mobile device. And so part of being away, like translate that to low battery. Like if your battery dies, you're away from your device. And so, you know, and there's studies that show like, and I'm pretty sure Uber is, you know, taking advantage of this, but there are studies that show like people are like nine times more likely to pay surge pricing on, uh, on Uber if their phone battery is like at 10% or less. Cause they're freaking out. They're not going to be able to get home. Like if your phone dies, you literally can't call an Uber. Right. And if you're with a friend, maybe they can do it. But like that is a real anxiety for people who live in urban areas and use Uber to get around. I'm like, this is absolutely insane. Just put a power bank in your pocket, even a small one. Like you'll be fine. Like all you need, like I love the stories, like the internet articles, like the 10 ways you can preserve your battery, you know, on your phone. Number one, just carry a power bank. And then close tab, don't read the rest of the story. It's fine. You don't need to do, you know, airplane mode and turning off the brightness right. and all this. <laughs> Turn just off my Bluetooth. A, just carry a power bank. And then you can have all those fun things still on your phone and it'll never die. That's it. So for me, there's a lot of education I want to do where I'm kind of kind of get a little bit preachy online. I'm going to use kind of some punchy videos I'm going to make just to try to change people's minds a little bit and kind of hopefully capture some consumer attention, but just to let people know, like you never need to feel anxious. I go on Twitter all the time and just review, look for all the tweets that contain low battery in them. And people are like, people are funny about it. They're like, I'm on the couch and literally can't bother to even get up to plug my phone in. So it's going to die. Right. So I'm just like, oh my God, we're so lazy. It's awesome. But from that all the way to like people legitimately freaking out that their phone is dying. You know, it's... <laughs> It's hilarious and sad and mostly it's just true. And so I want to try to address that and just let people know there's actually another way. Some people will look, they're like, where's your phone plugged into? And I'm like, it's 2017. You've never heard of these things? Like, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes people look at me like, what are you carrying in your hand right now? And I'm like, well, what's the percentage of your iPhone right now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too, like the, the one, the power bank that I'm kind of, uh, using right now, it is exactly the size of my iPhone 7. 
And so someone was like, what is that? Is that like a phone with no face? I'm like, oh my God. You know, so we, I think there's like a lot of, I think there's a lot of uh, education that can be done around this. And just to say like, if you didn't realize this, like your phone is everything to you. Like if you've never, if you never make another call on your phone, you will still text from it. You will navigate from it. You will buy from it. You will leave voice recordings on it. You will do your spreadsheets on it. You'll listen to music on it. Like, it's absolutely freaking amazing. You'll scan um, those ugly, co- what are those, QR codes, oh, if, yeah. if you dare. You'll even scan QR codes with it. It's absolutely amazing, all the things. You'll, you'll, you'll avoid police radar traps with it. You know, you'll take, and honestly, above all, you'll take pictures with it. I mean, so, so, so many pictures that we're not even carrying regular cameras around. The last piece of the puzzle is just to make sure it stays on all day. So I'm excited to be able to try to provide that for people. Wow, I'm really excited to, to honestly, to, to check those products out. Boostatech, correct? That's right, man. I'll let you know. That's when, awesome. Uh, and I'll have a link <laughs> as well. Any links, so I'll put them in the show notes for this podcast as well. <laughs> I would, I mean, so my website is up, but like, like it's literally live, but don't link to it because I haven't fixed it yet. <laughs> it's got like all this. Off. It has a lot of terrible, awful information, and I don't have a product on Amazon yet, so I'm still working on my. I'm working with my manufacturer, but uh, so we're yeah, gonna no, link I, to Chris's Twitter profile. Basically, there you go. That would be perfect. <laughs> basics. Hit my Twitter account. And I just want to. I just want to say quickly while you were talking about you know how we really got to stop thinking about the notion of the phone as just a phone like it's not a phone anymore people are sort of freaking out about the the one thousand dollar or the 1300 canadian dollars price tag of the new iphone x and it's like it's not a phone anymore though it literally is not a phone anymore it's it's a computer it's everything that you do and i it just made me think my wife's iphone uh she can't use it to talk to people she gets mad when people call her on the on her phone because I don't know if it got water damage or something. It's been like that for three weeks and she does not feel any sort of urge to get it fixed because it's just like she uses the phone for everything else but phone calls, really. So Yeah. Oh, hey, and listen up. There's one more thing too for your younger listeners, your millennial listeners, even Generation Z, the, the yeah. youngsters coming up after the millennials. Here's something that they actually will encounter in the workplace. They'll be in a meeting. Guess how they take notes? Right. And the older people in the room, this happens. This happens here. They're like, can you please put your phone away? They think that they're screwing around on their phone. They're actually using their phone to take notes. They're typing stuff into Evernote or wherever they type their notes. A lot of people, I've had trouble getting into Evernote, but people love it. Yep. And that's how, the, that's how these folks take notes. And so there's, a, there's very interesting generational issues with regard to the phone and the workplace too, where now I see my kids, if they're like, Half the time, they're actually doing something important, you know, with their phone. They're using it for, for school or whatever. So it's not always, you know, oh, can you, who are you texting or, or, um, you know, who are you talking to? No, like I'm actually being productive right now, even though it looks like my eyes are on a screen. And it's a matter of, it's a matter of, you know what? I'd rather save my notes in the cloud than in a filing cabinet. So I'm taking notes on my mobile device right now. You bet. Well, Chris. Honestly, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I think maybe I took a little bit more of your time than we had planned, but um, I certainly enjoyed it. And I think there was definitely a beneficial conversation for, for a lot of our listeners. So, Chris, I mean, if, if there's a way for someone to contact you, what is the best way? 
Yeah, I would say, first, I want to say thanks for having me. I love talking about this stuff and I've, I got really high hopes for your, for your podcast. Thank you. Here's what I would say to, to any listener. If you have questions about workplace culture or, you know, leaving your job, making the next sleep or whatever, tweet me at Chris Reimer. If you link to that, you know, in the video description or whatever, I, I, will, I will answer any question that comes my way because it's something I really do like helping people out with. So That's perfect. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. I hope that we talk soon. Thanks, Alexander. Alexander.